0: Can't feel everything all the time. Right? We need to take some time to rest, to recuperate, to come back, right? And maybe to experience some of these a bit differently
1: Hi and welcome to another episode of Outdoor Redcast. I'm Joel Charrier, your host. And on this first episode of Season 2 of Outdoor Edcast, I'm thrilled to bring to you an entire professional development session put on by Scott Derling and Dr. Rhea Ruck of the Université de saint Boniface in Winnipeg, Manitoba. In today's professional development session, we will be exploring the topic of eco-anxiety and specifically how to start approaching that discussion with your students. I'm thrilled. I mean, I can't begin to tell you how excited I am to be able to continue this journey with you, exploring all topics related to outdoor nature place-based education. Um, so I'm looking forward to another great run of more episodes. But uh, anyhow, let's just jump right in. Enjoy.
0: Thanks everybody for coming. Um, it's we're about half, but that's okay because it's you know this work matters, and I'm glad that uh, that you're here with us. Um, I wanted to, uh, one of my colleagues that works, hey, speaking of which, this is the person I was just about to cite (laughs) for this whole thing. Um, uh, So Jennifer, um, who's one of our colleagues uh, for Educators for Climate Mm. Action, um, sort of brought up the point the other day of when making a land acknowledgement that like acknowledgements have kind of gone institutionalized where they just are something Mm -hmm. that we say without a lot of sort of, Substance behind them. Um, and I was like, yeah, that you're uh, like, it drives me a little bit crazy sometimes that we just hear it on repetition and that they need to be a bit more personalized. So um, I wanted to just take a second to um, personalize my own land acknowledgement for here. So uh, I want to acknowledge that we're here on Treaty One territory and homeland of the Red River Métis Nation and the traditional lands of the Anishinaabeg, Cree, Oji Cree, Dakota, and Dene peoples. Uh, In this acknowledgement, I also want to acknowledge the history and presence of the foundation of this building, um, which is rooted in colonization, as is the history and presence of my own family. My ancestors came uh, to this place to acquire stolen lands and benefit from the displacement and dispossession of Indigenous peoples. My family history uh, is complicit in the harms done to Indigenous peoples by means of residential schools, the Sixty Scoops, and many other injustices. Um, the electricity uh, that powers our lights and the water that flows uh, to our faucets um, is also in to, uh, important to acknowledge here um, and the injustices that have occurred uh, for how we get those resources. Um, we are here today as educators for climate action as a result of colonization. Colonialism is at the root of the climate crisis and a process that has deeply harmed humanity in this land and elsewhere. Um, I have many kinds of debts to pay uh, to this land, its stewards, and uh, for this dark history. I do this every day in my teaching practice, my graduate studies, to understand decolonization in practice, um, and as I come to learn about this place and its various kinds of plants and animals, and also with my continued presence here as a guest uh, to this place and an ally in writing these wrongs. I ask us all today to make sure that we, uh, think about our own commitments, um, as we acknowledge this land and its original peoples. Um, and you know, w- when we're thinking about, uh, you know, all of these kinds of really big ideas, that's kind of what today is about. Um, and the work that, that Rhea and I have been doing. Um, so, uh, so my name is Scott, um, which is there and, uh, Um, yeah, I'm one of the sort of people on uh, trying to get this organization called Educators for Climate Action uh, off the ground. And um, we launched our constitution to MTS, which is great. So hopefully we'll be actually like our own association by uh, spring, which is great. Um, And uh, I was a a bit of a a plan B for November because we had an original person. And then that sort of (laughs) blew up in our faces then i was like well i guess we could do some of this work so um and i also know that november is so tough uh on all of us Mm -hmm. in education and just a tough month in general because it's you know for me there's not enough snow on the ground to go skiing (laughs) and it's swampy (laughs) out and mucky and you can't always go biking Mm -hmm. although that's because i don't like washing my bike so (laughs) um but anyhow so uh I'm also, I mean, we call it Green Minds, which is like a, I'm not, it's kind of an organization. It doesn't always exist as maybe as much as perhaps we would like, but, um, it's a, uh, it's a group that started before I kind of came into it. Um, and Rhea was one of those people, um, which was sort of a group of, of, um, psychologists and teachers and counselors who were starting to come across a lot of research around um, the climate crisis and mental health. And uh, that's one of the, I would say one of the, as I've come to kind of understand that, and even in my own journey of understanding the climate crisis, uh, it's one of the greatest challenges in many ways uh, that I think we face, not just from, you know, we've got some of this, uh, Um, we've got some of this, know f- some of our physical realities that we're we're trying to grapple with but uh you know behind the climate crisis as I've kind of mentioned is a bit of a social crisis and and that has resulted in I think lots of mental health uh challenges that we're seeing presently and it's starting to come out in research but I think anecdotally um you know as a classroom teacher I see it happening in the students uh, that I teach um mm-hmm. so uh so that's kind of how we came together, and we worked. Uh, Ray and I, we worked uh, last year. I was like a climate change teacher person. Super teacher. <laughs> I, honestly, the the position was very vague, but we worked together to implement a curriculum, um, which is what one one of the pieces that one of the pieces of our curriculum is going to be what we do today. And um, anyhow, I'll shut up. And maybe, do you want to speak about sort of? who you are and um how you got here
2: okay Briefly. it's really an I honor never to watch you chef here chef tonight i know that <laughs> life is, is busy it's november so it's really incredible that you're out here tonight uh, my name is Rhea Rack, and i'm currently a professor in psychology here my background is in environmental psychology so i'm really passionate about anything that mixes humans and the environment so really anything that touches climate change colonialism everything it can be studied in environmental psychology When I started this work, I saw that when you teach students, I teach in university, we have to care about the emotions because it's so hard to get learners engaged long-term if they don't feel okay with what we're learning. So that's when I decided to reorient my research career as well to better understand uh, ways to help people cope with eco-anxiety interventions. And it was great when I met Scott because I am not trained in education. So I have the training in psychology and the strategies for coping, but I had trouble Implementing it with kids and through education. So that's why we had such a fun experience, I believe, last year. Mm-hmm. So this is one of the little activities we developed together that we want to show you tonight. Mm-hmm. Um,
0: mm-hmm. and we'll also acknowledge Joel, um, who is, I sent a little that e- email. So he's just running a podcast, which is why we have uh, the lapel mics. And, um, so I, I think that maybe some of your voices might get picked up on it, I would imagine, as I'm walking around, but okay. Um, but, uh, yeah, so just to let you know about that. And, um, but, uh, our, yeah, our goal really is to help share all the stuff that we're doing with, with ECA. Um, and, you know, to kind of broaden our, our reach and, you know, how people can access PD with, without being here today. Um, so yeah, we're going to run, this is like the first lesson that I did with, uh, a, a bunch of different, um, well, I was eight to nine different classrooms at our school. Um, and then I've also done it with a few, um, masters, uh, courses at the University of Manitoba and there's a post class. And then, um, during MTSPDA, so I've, I've done it with a few and it's really, I think, a a perfect place to start in anyone's own practice personally and then also uh, with kids. So it's a really great, um, I think, experience for us to kind of start in this work and also then be able to take it back, uh, you know, and and apply it into our own space, which is very much what, like, educators for climate action want to do. We want to, like, let's, we have to do stuff. So how can we, you know, how can we make some of these workshops really applicable? Okay, let's get to it. Um, so what we're going to be doing is we're going to be m- mind mapping some of our own climate emotions and then, uh, doing some dialogue, uh, around that. So, um, this is also going to require some buy-in from all of you, which I know you're going to do, uh, <laughs> which is, um, participating and taking a little bit of risk today by sharing some of your own experiences. So what are some ways that uh, collectively in this room, that we express big emotions. Crying, mm-hmm. perfect.
2: Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. Yelling, perfect.
0: Laughing, yes. Yeah. A sigh, yeah. just like disengaging. Disengaging. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Anxious, nervous tics for me. It's like when I like when I had to go for job interviews, and I would be like, "Ah," my hands would be like so sweaty, and so I'd always like younger. I would always have to like wipe my pants, like on my like hands, because it was just like I was so nervous, and it was just. It's always been something that's that has kind of come up for me. Any other sort of uh, ways that we express our big emotions? breathing yeah Mm -hmm. yeah with and as i'm kind of talking with kids i'll often bring Mm -hmm. up my own sort of thoughts so like first dates where it's like ah like my the, the big lump in your chest right um that's just like ah this is crazy um in your body you know we've and we've talked maybe about a few of those physiological things so where in your body do you feel some of these emotions and what we're going to do is um, we're going to pass out just these figures, and I want you to think about maybe a specific kind of emotion, um, and where where does it exist in your body, and can you identify um, where that might where that might occur? Um, you'll need oh, I guess some markers, which we all help distribute. Um, so yeah, take about. Three minutes or so think about um, yeah where in your body do things kind of manifest for you, you
1: so at this point we were given a piece of paper with the outline of a person on it and uh, a couple uh, markers and our task was to simply start um, highlighting the areas where we might get the these emotional responses
0: like maybe one more minute
1: you can go ahead and actually kind of join the uh, activity just by thinking you know internally where do you feel your physiological responses to your feelings
0: so when you think about what you put down well first of all off maybe who here? Where where are my head people at? Who get just like their emotions in their head? Like, mm-hmm. okay, and w- so what are what are some of those? Yeah. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Alex. Like, like, like mm. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That like you can feel it just like yeah. and the pressure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What about? Oh yeah. yeah. Neck, I was just gonna go there. That's the next spot. Whenever I have like when I'm stressed at work, I have to go to a massage therapist because I haven't been sleeping because my neck is like, and uh, every single time the neck into the shoulders, she's like crunching on like these this gristle, and it's all the time. I have to probably go every three weeks when it's like report card time or you know, end of year, you know. So. Uh, what about sort of shoulders? Mm. 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 What about chest? Anyone have chest? Mm -hmm. Mm. Mm
2: -hmm.
0: And what would be some of the, like, is it panic that you would say that that's where that comes from? Mm -hmm. Okay. Anyone arms? Yes. Yeah, yeah, the jitters, yeah. Stomach. What about uh, anybody, like, hips or thighs? My wife, when she's, like, kind of getting a little bit anxious, her, like, she'll, and this is, uh, um, this is her cousin, by the way, also, so. Um, <laughs> but, uh, um, <laughs> yeah, and, um, but she, like, her legs will, like, jitter. Like, it'll be, like, you know, where the legs go, and lots of kids do that, like, it'll be, like, Uh when she's feeling a little anxious, yeah, Um, yeah. so, you know, part of this exercise is, one, you know, to develop our own awareness of, kind of, what's going on in our body, but also, two, to normalize it, that everybody experiences these Mm -hmm. kinds of things, right, and that it isn't just, like, it, you know, at first, my sweaty palm thing, I was, like, like, they're, you know, they're so, but, Lots of people experience that. And part of it is just to kind of normalize and to talk about, you know, what it is that's happening in our bodies. When we experience things in our life, whether it's the climate crisis or it's just, you know, a job interview, that uh, there's lots of responses that come in our bodies and just being a bit more aware of that. Um,
2: I'll just add Scott yeah. maybe a bit on this. Somat- yeah. I don't know if I pronounce it right in English, but somatization. Um, essentially what you're talking about, this idea that, We're helping uh, students and kids understand their physical sensations in their body and what it means emotionally. When you've done that work, you know, like, my hips hurt. Okay, what happened in my life? But a lot of kids aren't aware of their body signs and body language of their emotions. So it's really fun to get kids that aha moment of like, oh, wow, okay, my palms are sweaty, and then help them trace it back to something. Mm -hmm. Is it it so there's that is one option, um, but it's that whole idea that when your body is experiencing emotions that you don't recognize, it will somatize into a physical symptom. And everybody has a different somatization pattern. So it's about getting to know your somatization pattern and then understanding where it comes from. So that's really powerful with the kids too when they are aware of that. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: Um, as far as in this room uh, and like here right now, On a scale of one being like, I don't do this to five being like, no, I'm, I'm okay with this. And I often do, um, with sharing, uh, sort of your emotional experiences, who here would be perhaps a one without any judgment? So one is being like, I really don't feel very comfortable doing this. I don't, and I don't do this. Five being like, I'm, I'm open to it and I'm okay with it. So who, who here would be closer to a one? Okay. Two. So where am I? Any other twos? Okay. Three. Four. Five. Okay. So, I mean, this is the one group that it hasn't worked for, but one of the things. (laughs) That um this is, uh, you know, when we're when we're thinking about like when you ask that amongst many people and a lot of sort of research studies have essentially asked, essentially asks ask that, is that adults not great at at being able to share emotions within public you know spaces and within um, you know I would say professional spaces or within classroom spaces and the result of that I think is that there isn't a lot of modeling necessarily going on with kids and so um, part of this is also being able to activate and to start to maybe normalize us in the other direction of being you know it is okay to be able to share it is important to be able to share because one of the things that I think we've done pretty quickly in this room has been able to connect with each other Right? And it, isn't that kind of the, at the root of education, at the root of like what we're really trying to do is we're just trying to connect with kids um, and, and with each other. And I think, you know, the world would be a lot uh, better of the result. So basically, yeah, uh, adults have a, a pretty difficult time. And so I think we need to be doing a bit more of an, um, some work with that. Um, climate emotions, do you maybe want to speak to these? Sure.
2: Okay. Yeah. So climate emotions, essentially it's any emotion that you can feel when you think about climate change or a related issue. So um, in some classrooms at Scott School, sometimes it was very specific, um, like building a future city project, which is also a climate emotion. So think of it very broadly, but it can also be specific towards a topic like fast fashion, water, everything. So it's really any emotion that you feel when you think about that, or you're engaged with the topic. And these emotions can be, uh, we talk about them can be like positive, hopeful, optimistic, neutral, detaching, And what's really important to know is that when someone feels more neutral or detached, it probably means that they're feeling something else. But I think it was you, Mona, who mentioned that when it's too much, you kind of just feel, Mm. okay, I need to detach myself from this. So often when you talk to people learning about climate change, they may report being bored or indifferent, but it's just a piece of work to help them feel these more positive or difficult uh, emotions. Mm -hmm.
0: And... Like, obviously, these are going to vary from person to person. And I think often we want to say that, like, positive is, like, the ideal. Like, Mm -hmm. that's what we want. We want people to be positive. And I actually just read this paper on climate uh, change in schools that, like, schools are, uh, there's, like, a positivity, um, Mm -hmm. like, problem in that it's only ever about, like, the good of the world and like this is like you, if you can dream it, you can do it kind of thing without actually kind of acknowledging that that's not really what life is. Like there are some really difficult things. And in many ways um, detaching, I think, and I would say there's lots of good evidence is helpful. Sometimes you can't feel everything all the time, mm-hmm. right? We need to take, some time to rest, to recuperate, Mm -hmm. to come back, right? And maybe to experience some of these a bit differently. And and I just want to share perhaps some of my own experience. So it's my first garden. My parents Mm -hmm. never had a garden growing up. And uh, I was like 20 years old and I basically, I was in university. And I was like, we're going to, like, I need to... One, I was just starting to learn about the climate crisis and I was like, we need to, I need to grow my own food. So my parents were like, okay, well, so we made this garden in their backyard and uh, I had no idea how to grow anything. Right. Like zero idea, but it was very, like it, I was inspired. Right. That was, I would say that was a very positive climate emotion for me. Um, another one, this was my class or school at the twenty. I always forget twenty eighteen climate strike when it was yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. the big one yeah twenty nineteen yeah. yeah yeah okay twenty nineteen Um very like wow that was that was the biggest maybe probably one of the biggest ones that I've ever been in a protest and it was just amazing to be surrounded by like thousands of other people that were on the same page as you you know mm-hmm. which is why I think educators for climate action it's like ah, my, my people like, Mm -hmm. yes, let's come together. Um, uh, and then this was my, my school. So, you know, I took, I would say a lot of my own passion and, uh, I was like, ah, I just want like, let's do this for like what, this is what school should be. Right. So these bring a lot of, um, and they're, they're climate related. You know, it doesn't gardening, home gardening. I don't know. Maybe that's a part of climate action. Um, but I think we need to acknowledge like some of these really positive things. Um, this was June of this year. Um, which was, you know, it was the end of our, our, you know, our work. Mm -hmm. I was like mad writing a bunch of stuff. was also in my, like I'm writing my thesis right now. It was just a hectic time Mm -hmm. and, you know, pictures from New York and across sort of, um, uh, Eastern Canada and the United States. I honestly didn't care. Like I had to check out. I just didn't have the space. Um, and it doesn't like, you know, it's scary. I don't like looking at this, but I just, I had no attachment to it. And I couldn't attach to it. Um, I just needed to take a bit of a break. And that was a very conscious effort. Whereas some colleagues were like, did you see the photos of New York? And I was like, I guess like, you know, um, whereas this was 2018, which was the first summer that I really do remember. I remember looking outside cause I was living in Woolsey at the time and I was like, it looks like it's like yellow. And I just remember being like, this might be normal. Like this might be the start of the normal. And that for me was really a lot. Mm. You know, I would say that was the, di- that was a really difficult time. That was a really difficult time for me. And, um, each of these are really important. Each of these are really important. Difficult emotions, but actually I, I truly believe need to be cultivated because mm-hmm. it's, it's, um, an indicator of us being attached to something, right? I, f- I feel attached to Mm -hmm. that this is not what we should be having to move through, right? This is, northern communities should not have to be exposed to forest fires that are destroying their livelihoods and communities, right? I feel feel very connected to wanting to make a difference because of this difficult emotion, Mm -hmm. right? So it's important for us to cultivate those as, as well. It's just we can't live in that, we can't live there right? We can't live in those difficult emotions because then we just, or the detached, right? Um, We need to kind of find a bit of that balance. Okay. So this is my, ooh, this is my uh, mind map uh, that I made probably like April-ish, March. And uh, when I first started, like when I was probably like 19, it would have been like, hope would be like here, like, a little square, and it was like, worry, overwhelmed, like, uh, you know, just everything's bad, and uh, nothing's good, and we can't solve this, Um, and now I would say I mostly live here with, like, I would say this, like, a 70-30 split, hope to to worry, Mm -hmm. I definitely come back to worry sometimes. Um, but it is, I really do try for a bit more balance and it's a practice. And so what we're going to do is we're going to take about 20 ish minutes. Um, maybe, maybe we can do it in 15. I I think 15 would work, but we're going to uh, make our own. So, um, it doesn't need to look like mine. Mine, I just kind of came from anywhere, but what you're going to do is you're essentially going to, uh. Think about, actually, do I want to, yeah, so uh, an important part of like any of this kind of emotional work is naming the emotion, thinking about how it exists in our life, and then thinking about how we might kind of cope with that, right? So it's um, it's understanding how these emotions or what emotions live within our bodies and how can we kind of acknowledge some of them, okay? Um, and what we're really trying to do is we're trying to develop an emotional literacy, right? So in the same way that any of us might, you know, some of, some of us might kind of walk through a prairie field and be like, pal, that's, you know, milkweed or pal, that's, you know, big blue stem. Um, that's literacy, right? This one is being able to think about, okay, how are we existing? What's, what's kind of there and can we name it and identify how it's, uh, you know, living with us, um, and the point is when they come up, right, particularly the difficult or maybe the detached of being able to navigate them, right, and have a, a bit more sense of, of how they, you know, control us sometimes, um, which is, you know, I think a tough part. Uh, when we go through this, or maybe when you, I'm going to show you a list of some emotions, lots of kids, and I'm in a middle school, but lots of kids will say, I don't care, or I don't know, um, and I would say that's. I thank you for acknowledging that, but you know, I, can you think about a time maybe that you were outside and you really didn't like, you know, something you were doing outside? So how are you cultivating some of those po- positive emotions? Um, so, like we kind of said, there's three, ca- those three categories, and th- these are just some, and you can choose your own. You can kind of see that on mine. I wrote some sentences that I just kind of connected with. Um, but what you're going to do is you're going to choose perhaps some of these that speak to you and um, oh, somehow, I don't know what happened there, but um, so when you look at these emotions, which one, which one, you know, sparks for you? Um, are there images that come to mind as you're thinking about them? Try not to filter or judge, right? Uh, I know that sometimes like, and I would say as adults, maybe there's a bit of a, like shame around like the, the indifference or the maybe like the um, apathy. Those are okay. Um, so don't, don't judge them too much. Just as what I did when I made mine is I kind of just looked through and I was like, yeah, uh, overwhelmed is definitely something that hits for me. Uh, of these emotions, which ones do you feel more intensely? So mine, the hope was quite bigger right? Uh, Maybe there's others that um, uh, do that for you. And then you can use colors or text size to to help um, share that. And then just as we're kind of doing this, think about, are there, as you're thinking about these emotions, is there anything coming up in your own body um, that you're feeling uh, as you talk about those, or as you think about those emotions? Okay. So maybe we can do that in 15 minutes. So at uh, 7.20 roughly. Um, Oh, yeah. So this QR code is an example from some students. So some students that I worked with. uh, You'll see some photos um, of what they did. So if you need a little bit of guidance on on what that looks like, you can use the backside of um, that paper or if you want a fresh one, which is honestly take it as a copy for your students, right? Like Mm -hmm. show them... What are the emotions that come up for you? That's what I did with with mine. So I think it is really valuable to uh, to make your own that you can share. Um, so you can have a piece of paper, paper up here and um, markers and yeah, roughly fifteen-ish minutes.
1: So at this point, we were given a blank piece of paper, and Scott had put up a list of words, feelings, uh, up on the overhead on the projector. And there were positive feelings, neutral feelings, and negative feelings. And the idea here was that you were making, you know, one of the partners in my group had drawn little people and and put feelings attached to those drawings. Um, I I had simply just kind of organized words, almost like a word cloud. Um, Again, the principle being that we're trying to normalize all of these feelings. Um as a person who hasn't really truly felt climate anxiety, I found it interesting how many neutral or negative words I put forward. Um, you know, I, I don't feel a ton of climate anxiety, but I do want what's best for my kids. And I very strongly abide by, um, an indigenous principle that, I, that was taught to me. I forget by whom that we effectively borrowed the earth from our children. And that's something that's always meant a lot to me. Um, I have kids and I love them and I want them to be able to enjoy their time on earth as much as I have enjoyed mine. So I found that I put more negative words than perhaps I would have expected. Um, And I put also a good amount of uh, neutral words, words, um, not necessarily like apathy, but at peace, you know, sometimes um, I feel defeated. Sometimes I feel, that, you know, I'm, I'm small fish and the changes that I make may not have, uh, a, an overall large impact. And sometimes I'm at peace with that. I go, well, you know what? I do the best that I can and that's okay. That's all I can do. That's all I can give. Um, you know, but, but I don't have a choice. I, I can't at this point in my life be uh, a family without a vehicle. So it, it was an interesting experiment and looking back on it, um, it it perhaps enlightened me a little bit to some of those um, feelings, climate feelings that I've never truthfully paid attention to. I don't suspect that it's going to trigger any uh, anxiety in me. Um, I saw some people in the professional development session who were very um, willing to share that they did experience quite a lot of climate anxiety over, you know, whether it be flying, uh, the the carbon footprint of, of traveling, things like that. Um, and you know, we're all different and, you know, maybe I don't feel enough climate anxiety. Um, perhaps some people's climate anxiety manifests differently than mine does. Uh, but regardless, I did find it to be a very useful experiment and one that I could incorporate with my students. I'm thinking about my outdoor classroom here to get kids thinking about, you know, what are these feelings that are just below the surface that you, you're not paying attention to that you perhaps never have paid attention to. Um, And are they there? How do you feel about nature? It's not um, necessarily, uh, uh, you know, uh, prefacing it by saying this is about climate anxiety, but rather how do you feel about nature? What are your feelings toward nature? And what are your feelings toward climate and and changing climate and and where that's going and and your future? And I think everyone is, to a certain extent, um, always concerned about their own future at least. I feel like the end of that song is sort
0: of. Let's listen.
1: Let's That's such a good
0: transition. <laughs> um, okay, so like any kind of literacy, um, you know, obviously there's stuff that we write to ourselves or write for ourselves, um, but a really important piece of, I would say, many kinds of literacies is being able to share it. And in fact, um, being able to share it, you know, allows us to understand our own experiences in different ways. And then when we hear others, it expands it even more. So, um, what we're going to do is perhaps, uh, we can do like two ish tables. If we want to kind of, um, um, just join up and, um, what we're going to do is we're going to think about, uh, maybe one question to start, which was what emotions did you write down? So as a group. What were, what are there similarities, differences? Um, maybe if you feel like that's pretty easy, which emotions do you feel more intensely? Okay. So thinking about, uh, yeah. Are there any similarities, differences? Um, does anybody feel more, um, like that somewhere stronger that collectively at your table there was some that we're like, Oh, we all feel this um so take uh, maybe a couple minutes to share as a group perhaps those first two questions so uh what emotions did you write down and then which emotions do you feel more intensely
1: so in a classic kind of think pair share we had done uh, previously as i've already discussed the um the, the the solo part of it where we just kind of looked at the words and i had i had done kind of like i said a word cloud um and this was now in groups uh vocalizing and sharing what you'd come up with.
0: I'm gonna bring um I would love I'm like just like listening into these conversations. And I could be a fly on a wall for literally forever, um, listening to all of this. But um but you know, Ian's gotta go. Um so, you know, one of the things that we've done is, uh, so there's a few more questions. So that, that you could ask your kids and I would probably do this over even like a, a, you know, depending on how long you have with students, but over a couple days, um, I think it's a bit more meaningful that way, but, um, you know, are there any emotions that were enjoyable that you put on, you know, your, you your mind map? Um, do you see a pattern? Are there more difficult? Are there more detached? Mm-hmm. Are there more uh, positive emotions? Um, collectively in our little group, where do we land? If you were to think about, you know, the one to five scale, do we land maybe a little bit more on the five end or the one end? Are we, you know, um, and then as we did that, were there any body sensations that we came up, uh, we were thinking about that kind of came up out of that. Um, and to kind of acknowledge those and, and to, um, embrace them. Um, you could also then send some kids off to, you know, think about how did this go for you today in a journal response? Um, was it easy? Right. Was it easy for, and there's many kids that would say, absolutely not. This is really like impossible. Or they might just write, like, even if they write this was hard, that's fine. Right. That's okay. Um, because it's all about just where are you at? And, and, and I would say, You know, there's been lots of occurrences in our society that have caused us to maybe not be able to share our emotions. And so wherever somebody's at is okay to start. Um, How did you feel about sharing your mind map with others? Um, What did you learn from this activity? Uh, What did you realize after hearing your fellow students' presentations? Um, Are there common emotions in the class? How intensely do you uh, experience these? And I think you could do a lot with this, right? You know, you could make little cue cards and like collectively as a class let's make a big like what is our what is our collective mind map um how big are these emotions in our class that we feel maybe it's in a whole school like i think there's there's it's a it's a lot of good like data for us to use um to really start the conversation going about you know where are we at um taking action right falls into this in itself um like, I hear, I heard lots of good, like, connecting stories. Uh, and honestly, just like a group of adults having really powerful conversations. And I think in my mind, that's a, that's a really important action step, right? We need to develop a collective of people that are able to have tough conversations with each other in ways that, you know, allow us to move in a direction that is, Taking action, right? We have a lot of work to do, but we need a bit of a culture that's able to do some of that work together. So, um, yeah, you could create an exhibit. Um, you could share your, this is a really important one, sharing a mind map with family, right? I used to work for the fire department in public education and, uh, we, you know, it was a, you've probably seen it, it's like a big trailer that like gets pulled around everywhere and then the kids go in, there's like fake smoke it like goes out the windows kind of thing. And uh, it, yes, it was for the kids to have this like, woo, you get to climb down a ladder out a window kind of thing. Um, but the main target for the fire department was actually the parents. Because it was the kids, we were asking them, do you have a working fire detector at home? A smoke detector? Do you, uh, do you have a fire safety plan at home?
1: I don't know. Uh, oh, you should
0: go ask your parents if you, cause, uh, you know, who's going to be really, really persistent at asking is probably some kids. Um, so the, so our main target wasn't actually children. It was parents. And I think that's in many ways something that we want to do here is how can we invite the conversation to also arrive at home? Right? How can we get families starting to talk about that? Um, and friends. Uh, you know, writing a letter to a politician um, I think is always good, or an op-ed. And you know, I think it would be really powerful for a school to have this big mind map of climate emotions and putting an op-ed out saying, this is where we're at. What are you going to do about it? Mm. Right? Um, and particularly with our new government, I sent an email to my... MLA, and I'm calling them tomorrow. We're having a conversation tomorrow. But, you know, it starts with those kinds of things, which is getting, you know, the radar um, activated for people who might not be thinking about, like, climate action. So um, thanks for coming. Yeah. I don't think nope, nothing. You know. I'll send an email out with thanks. all of this uh, stuff um, later on. Um, so, I mean, we've kind of talked about this already, but there's a really great author, Britt Ray, uh, Her book is called uh, Generation Dread. She also has a um, uh, newsletter. It's like a webinar. And uh, she talks about the window of tolerance, which is sort of this like Goldilocks zone that we're really trying to help kids activate, which is that even though I'm feeling a lot of stuff right now, I can still, I'm still grounded and able to like function really. I'm not experiencing withdrawal, numbness, and disengagement, right? I'm not, like, activated and, like, can't control what's going on, right? I'm in this Goldilocks zone. And uh, the rest of the curriculum that we've made um, really—oh, sorry. Like, when we don't do a lot of this stuff, right? When we don't uh, start thinking about, like, how we can manage some of these emotions— the tolerance for what we're able to withstand when things do happen shrinks, right? If I, um, you know, don't like, you know, I think about a car accident, if I don't sort of address some of the things that I experienced in a car accident, um, if I experience another car accident, maybe like there's some greater mental health issues that come out of that, right? Um, whereas practices around mindfulness, you know, I would say uh, there's a, a growing body of literature around the amount of young people going to um, therapists around their climate anxiety. Um, so mindfulness, uh, you know, climate action, connecting with others, group conversations like this—all of these kinds of things broaden the window of tolerance. Um, you know, building yeah, building relationships. What else do I have there? Uh, you know, making a, yeah, uh, having some time to like make decisions with each other to like take action. Um, that's that's where we're I think trying to move towards with long-term climate action. Um, you know even and I you know Amanda was sort of saying like 10 years, like I don't know, will we be here? Uh, who knows? Um, and uh I mean it's a difficult thought. Um, but I think what we're really talking about is like, there's gonna be a planet here at some point, still. And, you know, we're talking long term. And I think, uh, there was a, I recently read that, uh, someone was building a 10,000, or a 10,000 year clock or something like that. Um, Jeff Bezos or something was building like this 10,000 year clock because uh, a lot of our thinking is just so like right here. And it's not thinking like way beyond even just like us. And that's kind of the moving beyond like a, you know, human centric world. Um, so, you know, yeah, we're trying to build that, um, that emotional literacy to navigate climate change so that when there is smoke and right, there are fires and there are floods, things like that, that, you know, we can feel those things, but not be fully, you know, um, emotionally destroyed by them
1: mm-hmm.
0: um i don't know i can't remember why i put there oh yeah so part of uh part of our um work what this past year was to be like what are some like what are some goals that we could have um and i think that's kind of what we're doing right now with eca um is we're trying to figure out like what what are what is climate action ed- in education um, and uh, this is sort of like my like top list of like, what are we trying to do? So young children having experiences that connect them to the natural world. And I kind of heard some conversations about like the, you know, the, um, you know, yes, let's learn about polar bears and, lo- and habitat loss. But David Sobel, he has this amazing quote, children need an opportunity to bond to the natural world and learn to love it before we ask uh, them to heal its, the, the wounds, right? And I think that's, you know, for me, that is, yeah, we need kids outdoors. We need them, like, being connected to um, place in order for um, them to start thinking about, you know, what is their place in that? Um, So young children needing spaces to express themselves, develop that emotional literacy around climate change, have safe adults to listen to their questions, um, having experiences and conversations to think about like, what is it that we can do? Cause I think that's one of the, that, that was the biggest challenge for me this year is a lot of kids were like, I don't know. I can't, well, can, like there's nothing we can do. Well, yeah. Have you thought about composting? Like even although compost, like one person composting isn't going to save the world, it's going to start making maybe a bit of a difference. Right. And at least building like, Oh, I can I can do something, right? Um, uh, because it's developing a bit of that social efficacy. Uh, so the belief that it's possible to do something and that doing something can make a difference. So it's not necessarily that action, but it's that, that's a belief, right? That something's possible. Um, they need to learn about indigenous lands that they live on. It's history and knowledge from indigenous peoples and learn to live well. Um and and i think too that you know having a right to know about the threats um and i think i think we do have a bit of a, a responsibility to let them know what's going on but then also having some tools to be able to navigate that uh high school basically the same i think uh one of the things that i thought about was the um learning polit- the politics of climate change which is infuriating and i often need to detach from that uh, because there's a lot of rhetoric um, and not necessarily always that. And so we need to be challenging those systems, um, which is, I think, what we need to do in high school and middle school. Um, normalizing conversations, right? Why are we not having conversations about climate change every day? Well, it might be too much, but can we have climate-adjacent conversations? Um ooh. And then um there's this uh oh shoot, I'm gonna forget his name. He uh was at social studies MTSP today last year. Uh anyhow, I'll think about it. Basically, he was like his whole thesis for like his entire career. Essentially, he's like, I have to throw this in the garbage because uh like the United States and Trump kind of destroyed everything that I like have worked on, with in that um truth doesn't exist anymore. Right? Truth is so subjective. And, uh, what he believes social studies, um, curriculum should do is literally just service learning, connecting people together, doing something good, right. Where they both can see the truth of the, of the good that they're doing was sort of his thought, which I think is uh, an important piece and something that we really do not do enough of is service learning in our communities, um, which is really important. Um, there's another section here that I think, this is from um,
2: guide for the guide
0: in Australia,
2: I think. Uh, I think this is the British one. Oh, the British one? Climate okay.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So they, um, I, I don't know if you want to speak to it or you might yeah. have a bit more.
2: I mean, we can add a link to it. But yeah. It's a really, it's a really well done guide for how to have a climate conversation. And that's a uh, an activity I do with my students mm-hmm. in my class. So we decipher the guide together and then they get to practice with a colleague and then they have to go home and practice at home and then reflect back on it. And it's really, it's broken down into different steps and it's really good. And each of them can be, uh, prepared in advance. So this guide highly recommend don't develop something again. It's it's available. I think the link should be in there, but we could send it. I'll send it. I mean,
0: all of this is accessible, which is I think maybe the next slide, but, um, Mm -hmm. You know, we need to be having more conversations at schools with our colleagues, with our friends, with our families. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, in balance. um, Because I don't want to be known in my school as the climate change guy, (laughs) which I presently am. And it drives me insane. They're like, oh, like, you take it on. You're the, the compost guy, too. Like, we all live... On this planet, you know, we all live here. Why am I? So, and I think it's, you know, it's a bit of that frustration, but we really do need to be activating people in whatever way they can. And I think there are lots of people that want to do something. They just don't really know how they can plug in. So that's, that's, that was my role last year was how can you plug in? Let's find that. Um, okay. The last thing is um, so all of the resources that uh, you've seen here—they're all accessible because it, this was the last part of my job, which was literally. It, I, at first, I said we should share all of our uh, resources in our school, and then I was like, "Well, why are we do it? Like, let's just make it bigger." So <laughs> we I, we, wrote, we ended up compiling all the resources that we were finding on specific topics. And, um, and so all the, all the stuff that you've seen here today is in this document. You'll see there's like a, well, it's 80-something pages at this point, but it has 35 different topics that there's places for people to plug into. So um, if you go to, let's say, I don't know, what are people fired up about these days? Anybody have a passion? I can probably find it in here. Okay. Compost. So we've got a couple things. Um, so we've got learning provocations. So if you wanted to fire your kids up with something, right, there's some things, what happens to the food we waste and how can we use it to create a more sustainable, um, future, right? What, how does comp like, how do things decompose? Maybe that's a good place for us to start. Um, topic ideas and then take action project ideas with uh, a variety of different resources Mm -hmm. so um this is what i sort of did with my colleagues which was what like where are you at what do you want to do and then we essentially made a topic so one of my colleagues for example was really into birds like yeah let's check out some birds and there's amazing bird apps um that you know help you to. and now i'm like ooh, and actually my father-in-law which is um anyhow so he's a teacher in seven oaks and, uh, he gets his kids to do like a test on like bird calls. Oh, cool. Which is, of course we should, of mm-hmm. course we should be getting kids to recognize birds, right? That are local to Manitoba. Um, of course we should be doing that. Um, and there's a lot of good citizen science stuff where, um, if you see a bird, you can like map mm-hmm. that you've, uh, like seen it in a location so that, um, scientists Bird scientists, um, they uh, will go and and it'll help them with their research to see like you know where are we seeing different kinds of species, are they is it changing? So there's lots of really cool um, things to do with that. So um, yeah, this is and it's it's a Google Doc so it's ever growing and changing um, and it's a bit of a beast. Uh, mushrooms? Mm. There's. Soil, which is maybe closest but nothing on yeah cool yes yet which is people will sometimes or sometimes they'll come across a resource so um shoot there was one that just I think there was a one that just was released on like powwow um and I included it on here because I think like that's it's about also returning to ceremony right? That's a big part of, I think, what we need to be thinking. Like, that is climate action in my mind. Um, And so, how can we, you know, share a really great resource together? Um, All of our Green Minds curriculum is also in here. There's great digital, like, huge hubs where it's, like, uh, resources for rethinking, for example, is run by an organization called LSF. It's the most powerful website I think I've ever seen in my life, whereas... So, province. So, it's got all the provinces. Then it's grade. So, grade two. <laughs> Subjects. Uh, uh, science. Curriculum unit. Okay. Theme. Uh, let's just leave it blank. Sustainable development goal. indigenous knowledge. And then, ooh, I want to search for an action project or maybe some inquiry resources. And then it spits out nothing.
1: Oh, it might've been, it
0: might've been, uh, it might've been, a, here, let's try a couple different, I'll take a couple of these off. Um, so yeah, so there'll be a, a little, uh, that was probably a bit too specific for what we were looking for, yeah. but, um, uh, it's, it's insane. It really is insane. Like LSF, uh, they, uh, they're really, they're like probably the best organization as, that I've come across for resources, um, in Canada. This is called resourcesforrethinking.ca. <coughs> um, yeah, it's extraordinarily powerful, this website. And, um, LSF also has grants. So if you want mm-hmm. to start getting a, a project going, the grant application is very, very, very easy. Um, and, uh, it's, and it's ongoing, so there isn't a deadline and, um, it's up to 500 bucks. And then you make a short little post as your post sort of grant thing. And then you're, you know, you're on your way. We, um, I'll, I'll be quiet in a second, but, um, we, our project last year was, we did a tall grass prairie installation on a neighbor's front lawn and it was awesome, and now we have their next door neighbor wants one, so um, yeah. So it's you know it's slow, and we did that with five hundred bucks um, and then some. So it's uh, yeah, it's it's a really amazing organization, and uh, they've got yeah tons of uh, tons of great stuff to be able to uh, help help us with with doing that. So I will uh, yeah. Um, so I'll send the link or, um, if you go to greenmindsmb.com, that's our, the website that, uh, we've hosted it on. Um, but I can send this out in an email cause I have everybody's email. And then I think at some point we're going to probably like a e- ECA is going to have a website and then we'll host some stuff on there. Um, which I think is maybe where we'll keep that, um, Yeah. I don't know. Any other sort of things that you want to speak to?
2: No, I think that you mentioned, what you mentioned is important. It's always to look where you're at, what you're interested in and always work on the piece that brings you joy, makes you most curious and model that with the kids. And eventually the kids, it's always my experience with my students. They start the year very down and anxious and uninterested. And towards the end of the semester, they all have their little piece of the puzzle. They're passionate about feeling good about. And so Scott mentioned, what are you interested in? What do you want to learn about? Mm-hmm. Make it fun and start from there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: I have a question, and I actually, I, I wouldn't mind it being registered here. I think this might be more of a question for you. Uh, something that's come across my mind, and this is a result of some of the reading, some of the you know watching speeches, stuff that I've done, but to what degree is climate anxiety a privileged emotion? Mm-hmm.
2: This a very, very good question. And actually in the whole climate anxiety, eco-anxiety literature, it's being discussed more and more. So that's another activity I do a lot with our students. It's this idea that being able to experience these emotions means that you are in a position of somewhat privilege in a way. And it's good to acknowledge that for a lot of people, this existential anxiety is a new experience. But for many other people, it's not a new experience, right? So we always talk about how climate change is the most important threat of our times and et cetera, but it's not true for everybody. And to have this luxury to, to think about this and not to have experienced necessarily the direct impacts of climate change, we do experience them here, of course, but not as strongly as other places, does come with this position of privilege. And I think that it's also important for everyone to realize that everyone is starting with different resources um, and they're bringing different Um, talents and, and, and privilege and resources to the table. So not to compare what everybody can um, bring in as an effort, but really work from where you're at and the, the place you're at. And it's always a good segue into a conversation about diversity. This idea that we can't achieve any of these solutions without including the points of view of everybody, right? So to embracing diversity, to seeking it to put yourself in uncomfortable relationships and situations and so on to grow. So that's a very, very good point.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, that's it.
2: Thank you, everybody. Thank
0: you so much for coming. Um, yeah, we'll send out maybe a, uh, a post uh, workshop email just with some of the resources from today. And um, there might be a feedback thing. We'll see if I have mm-hmm. the energy or time to scrounge that up. Um, but yeah, if you have any questions, feel free to reach out. And um, yeah, we're always hoping to you know further connect. And we've got a lot more PD coming up this year. Amanda is actually running the next one in January. Yeah. Um, so we uh, we're about to get the registration out. Maybe next week. It's December next week, and I it's a, the December. newsletter oh yeah it's december tomorrow um so uh yeah so we're we're hoping Uh, to get registration up for that and then um yeah we've got a bunch mm. more fun fun stuff for the rest of the year we're excited for that thank you cool thanks for coming thanks
1: so this concludes episode one of season two of Outdoor EdCast. Thank you so much for sticking around uh, through the long hiatus. As I mentioned, my goal was always to bring you PD and I've been, I've been able to team up with uh, Educators for Climate Action Manitoba, a very dedicated group of, of uh, passionate teachers, educators who are bringing you uh, great PD opportunities. So I'm going to be giving you about one every quarter, hopefully for in a year. Um, some will be full about PD sessions, others will be some, you know, maybe a mishmash of different ones or, you know, we've even spoken about uh, doing maybe a biannual or an annual kind of uh, chat session, you know, kind of like the uh, staff room you wish you had. Anyhow, thank you so much. I'm your host, Joël Charrier. Welcome back to Outdoor Edcast. And I'm going to sign off by, by telling you that when you give blood, you save lives. So please consider giving blood. And if you're in Canada, that's done through the Canadian Blood Services. You can make an appointment today at blood.ca. If you are south of the border, that's done through the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services. You can go to hhs.gov slash giving equals living. And you can make an appointment today to make a huge difference in somebody else's life. Thank you. Have a great day. Look forward to seeing you next time.